Traveler, we're live from the apocalypse. Hi, hey, hello, welcome back to Academy H. My name is Will, and I am once again your storyteller. If you haven't listened to Academy H before, this is our actual play Masks podcast that raises money for the International Rescue Committee. As a matter of fact, everything we do at Live from the Apocalypse benefits an organization that is representing progressive causes very near and dear to our hearts. We have recently switched to the International Rescue Committee as we met our fundraising goals for the Surfrider Foundation and Planned Parenthood two of the very excellent organizations that we were raising money for before IRC. We do the majority of our fundraising during our live shows at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse, including recording new episodes of Academy H itself. That's right, every other Sunday you can join us at 6pm Eastern Time, where we will be recording two new episodes at a time. You can find all of that info, our full schedule, socials, and Discord community link at lfta.card, that's C-A-R-R-D, dot C-O or over on Twitch. Feel free to join us. We would love to have you. Truly, I just feel the need to acknowledge that during the course of this episode, you will hear a metallic clinking anytime I am speaking, and that is 100% my fault. There is a medal for fundraising for Extra Life that sits right behind me, and every time my air conditioning kicks on, it apparently clinks against the wall, and I did not hear it during the entirety of the recording session for this episode and the last episode. I did my best. But unfortunately, I was just not able to get rid of it entirely. The issue has been corrected. You will not hear it in future episodes. But once again, I apologize. But with that out of the way, there is still plenty about this episode to enjoy. It is a good one. I hope you stick around. And why don't we just go ahead and get into Academy H, Lost and Found, Part 6. We open in another world, strange and alien, but we have seen it before. It is an endless plain. However, the ground appears to be covered in a soft gray carpet instead of earth. There is a vast emptiness. This world is devoid of any signs of life or inhabitants, except for one small section where an old, faded brown couch, a couple of paisley upholstered armchairs, and an ancient television set sit. But beyond that, the void of the victory mindscape yawns. The emptiness that looms overhead, approximating a sky, is a dull orange color. Occasional flashes of lightning are the only thing that disturb the tranquil stillness of its surface. And though it is empty, we hear a single voice repeating over and over again as if trying to comfort itself. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Kaz, all you're really aware of is that you leapt through the door that opened in front of you, and you become aware of this sensation of falling. And it feels like you are falling 
a great distance. Kaz has probably never fallen from a great height before, but it feels like it takes forever, even though not that much time has actually passed. At a certain point, you become convinced, like, I should have hit the ground by now. I should have hit the ground by now. This has been going on for way too long. And it is just sort of black all around you, as far as you can tell. Kaz, after you've been falling for what feels like hours, even though part of your brain knows that it has only been a matter of maybe minutes at the most, you do see something below. And before you can even really make out what it is, it comes rushing up to meet you. And you hit the ground. Hard. At least it feels like it should be hard. You brace yourself for impact. And as you land, instead of dying, like your brain is convinced you're about to, you hit the ground and it sort of rebounds you up. It sort of bounces you gently. Almost like landing on a trampoline. Whether it's by pure chance or magical guidance or an involuntary reaction, you land on your feet. You start looking around, trying to take in your surroundings. You're a little on edge, so it takes you a second to fully process where you are, but you realize you do recognize it. At the same moment you realize where you are, you hear yelling from above you, and you recognize Danny Carseat's voice. <laughs> but what lands in your arms is technically Danny. But it's just Danny's head. <laughs> you panic, but then you realize that Danny is talking. What's up? <laughs> I feel like Kaz screams and involuntarily just throws Danny's head in response to that. <laughs> Can Danny as a head still open portals? Yeah. The Danny's head will go through a portal and then just ricochet right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Kaz will just kind of automatically go to catch him. You catch Danny's head like a dodgeball yeah, with just both like, hands and I'm sorry. I'm just picturing Danny's head just careening <laughs> out of a corner directly <laughs> towards me like <laughs> and uh I will never sleep again. It's not inaccurate. Kaz will never sleep again. It's fine though, it's fine. <laughs> and so yeah he's just holding danny's head yeah you're like you're like eye to eye now because you're holding yeah. Danny's head in front of you you know what danny's rolling with it um this is not danny was falling through time for a while and while he doesn't really talk about it this was not too dissimilar for something he probably would have encountered in there so instead of being weird about danny's gonna be like you would not happen to have seen the rest of me no. Hmm. Do you need a skeleton? Are you okay? I am fine. I cannot stress that enough. Um, can Danny feel his arms and legs? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever Danny's body is, is going to see if he can pat himself down. We'll get to it. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Those are not words you want to hear in this context. (laughs) (laughs) I have a skeleton, but if I, so, hmm, you could put me in a cage or something. That would be fine if you don't mind carrying me. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you're sure you're okay. No, that's the answer I would have expected. Okay. (laughs) Uh, so a cage for your head. Yeah. If you don't mind. I, I can't say that's fine because none of this is fine, but um, I can do that. I appreciate you. You magically whirl together a cage made of bone that Danny's head is inside of. You can kind of carry it around. I'm picturing the like uh, classic Looney Tunes Tweety Bird thing. Well, like lantern. Oh lantern. my God. <laughs> I was also thinking a lantern, but. Lantern's cool. I like the lantern. You can go with that. Um, and I see we now have the cover art for our Inevitable Academy H Heavy Metal Concept album. There it is. <laughs> you have Danny Carseat's head that you're carrying around. Danny Headrest, as chat aptly dubbed, <laughs> dubbed him. <laughs> <laughs> and you look around, you realize 
why this looks so familiar. And you recognize your dad's office. You recognize the heavy, expensive Persian rug on the floor, the wood-paneled walls made out of a very rich, darkly treated wood, the big mahogany desk, the comfortable leather chairs, the fireplace, all of the books on those shelves, down to like the last detail of the cigar still smoldering in the ashtray between two of the leather chairs. I think Kaz just kind of slowly takes that in with an ever-growing look of dawning horror because everything about the past five minutes or five years or however long it's been has uh, has been a nightmare. Um, and it's just like, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, all right, we're, we're going to figure this out. I don't know how, but we're going to figure this out. Um, maybe don't say anything if we run into any other people. Just be ahead. You can't see it, but Danny is trying to do the like lock and throw away the key symbol. <laughs> and as far as Danny's concerned, is nailing it. And Kaz just kind of waits and is then like, so are we good? Danny unlocks his mouth with the key that you cannot see and says, yes. And then relocks his mouth, not realizing that this does not make any sense. And Kaz just takes that as as an agreement and is like, okay, all right. At least, at least um it's it's probably not that weird for me to have a head. It's probably fine. It's probably <laughs> it's probably okay. But if the head starts talking, all bets are off. <laughs> all bets are off. It's no way to get ahead in the game. <laughs> Maybe I can be of some assistance. That same disembodied voice that you heard before you looked through the door says, and suddenly it is not so disembodied as your dad's chair, this huge high-backed leather affair that probably costs more money than some houses, spins around and with clawed purple fingers steepled in front of him, you recognize the demon crossroads. Lovely to see you both again. Danny opens a portal underneath him in the cage and tries to headbutt him. <laughs> so you are opening a portal underneath you and then trying to open a portal above him to like use gravity to help me conk heads. He's a, he's a, like a satyr dude, right? Doesn't he have horns? He does have horns. He would probably be offended by that you compared him to a satyr and not a demon. Like he has horns, but they're like demon horns, not satyr horns. But I, I only believe in science, not religion. <laughs> Touche. He said the guy who uses magic. Danny's uh, complicated. We love to see it. You fly out of your second portal to headbutt him. And as you are careening towards him, he very casually picks something up off of the desk and then holds it up. And you strike that instead of hitting him. In the aftermath of this, you realize that what he held up was a stamp that says void. (gasps) (laughs) And that word is now stamped across your forehead. Your head just kind of falls to the ground. You are unable to portal. Danny will say not to Crossroads so he doesn't get satisfaction. But Danny will whisper to himself. That's a pretty good bit. (laughs) And then we'll like, I assume he like landed on his side and he will try. To move the head as much as he can to like see the world right side up. Yeah, you can do at least that much. You can turtle yourself. <laughs> Crossroads kind of tosses the like stamp from like hand to hand and says, let's be civil about this. Yeah, it's just business. Purely transactional. No need for violence. Since Kaz has told Danny not to talk, uh, Kaz is just going to say talking seems fair for the time being and then moves to go pick up Danny's head. And to put it back in the cage. Yeah, he's not going to stop you. You can absolutely scoop up Danny's head and put him back in the cage. Crossroads says, well, you can start with thank you. I mean, I did just save you. Can't imagine your dad didn't teach you better manners than that. Why? Why did I save you? Yeah. Why well, I owed you. Technically, I owed your friend there. And he points at Danny. See, I, I borrowed his wish get out of a tricky situation 
This was me returning it. But why would it matter to you? Well, to save you. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. I'm not upset at the thought of your father owing me a debt, or the very least. Expressing a little gratitude. But I've been keeping an eye out for a chance to square my debts. And he points at you, Danny, and says, I took the liberty of assuming you'd want me to save your friend. So I just simply transferred your wish to him. Danny says nothing, but Danny was clearly considering helping during that whole situation. Like, clearly was torn as to what to do. So by Crossroads taking it out of his hands, he, uh, I mean, out of his mouth, I guess. (laughs) And I think Kaz takes the opportunity to ask a question that has been weighing on him since the first time he, at least to his knowledge, saw Crossroads and says, when we met on the street, you said you recognized my magic. What did you mean by that? He leans forward on the desk and a big smile of very sharp teeth, too many teeth, splits across his face. It's a little bit of a lot of teeth. His eyes, his golden amber eyes sort of glitter eagerly. And he says, well, that's a question, isn't it? That's quite a question. I would be more than happy to answer it, but I'm kind of a transactional fellow. You understand? It's not easy for a demon up here. You've got to get by somehow. What would it cost me? How about your little friend? Which friend would you be referring to? Hmm. I have a few of them. Of course. Not the head one. The dead one. No. He is not on the table. I don't need answers that badly. Yeah, I suppose I saw that coming. But, you know, aim for the moon, you fall among the stars, as they say. Why would you even care about him? That's another question that I'd be more than happy to answer. For a cost. Right. He reaches under the desk and pulls out a comically large leather-bound book, sets it down, opens it, and like manifests a, an old-timey quill and like poises it over it and says, I'm happy to keep a record, if you'd like. No, that won't be necessary. What do I want from you? What do I want from you? Hmm. Goodness. Why don't we make it easy on ourselves? Call it a favor. My father taught me well. I am not going to do an open-ended deal. Hmm. I know better than that. And information isn't worth that either. A tough negotiator. Suppose you really are your father's child. All right. I'll be more specific about the favor. How about? I want something. I want you to get it for me. That's not particularly specific, because that could mean a lot of things. This thing, this object in question, sits within a house. I believe you're familiar with it. A manor. Very old house. Very well protected. Most can't get inside it. In fact, I've never heard of anyone getting inside it that wasn't supposed to be. Except there was that one time, wasn't there? Jamie, is Danny, like, moving around at all? Or is Danny just kind of there quietly, just out of curiosity? Danny is ping-ponging between (laughs) them with the eyes in the conversation. He's not saying anything, but when he brings up the house, he knows what he's talking about. But, like, like, his eyes got big, but he didn't say anything. What would you be wanting me to get from the house? Just a cutting. Just a cutting of a certain tree. Very interesting one. Rare. Hard to come by. I think to that, Kaz says, well, the only reason that we were able to get in before was because of my friend. And then to Danny says... So I think it's important that you're able to weigh in on this decision, Danny. 
you can talk. <laughs> Danny exhales deeply, like as if he has been holding his breath this whole time. <laughs> and then, uh, Kaz, how important is this information to you? And Kaz kind of takes a beat and says, it very well could be critical information to help a friend. Then I'll do it. And so the terms are that you will tell me why you recognize my magic and about my magic and where it comes from. And because you brought this into the room, I think it would be fair to add that question about why my dead friend matters to you as another piece, since this clipping is so valuable and so important. And it's going to take two of us to do. He does not hesitate when you ask for the information about Jonathan and you try to throw that into the deal. He barks out a laugh and does not hesitate to swivel the book back around to face him and shut it with a snap and say, no, 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 it's not with that. It's not with nearly that. Not at all. What is? Danny mutters. Would take quite a lot. Would take quite a bit to get that. I mean, if you're willing to talk terms, I'm open to it, but it's not buy one, get one free. I have a Coles cash. <laughs> he looks at you, Danny, and he says, I invented Coles cash, please. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, like, loses his breath and goes, maybe you are the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy to negotiate terms, but... That will be a very separate transaction. A very expensive one, not bad. Just gonna put it out there. I mean, I, I know you're a demon and also exactly the sort of thing that one would expect from demons, but given that it would be so expensive, kind of fucked up that that was the first thing you asked me to trade. Uh, if you were willing to go for it, it would have hardly been my fault. It's a simple case of you not knowing the value of what you have. I think we see that value very differently. Because I know that he's valuable. Right. In that one is real and the other is fake. Yes, we do see it very differently. Yes. I am a very busy man and your father will be back eventually, so we should probably conclude our business. Are we actually in my father's office? Oh, yeah. No, you didn't think I made a fake one. No, this is the real deal. Uh, I can get you out of here okay. also. But that will also be a separate transaction. No, I, I'm sure I can get myself out of my house just fine. Well, it, it's fine. Cheers. Are we doing the deal or are we not doing the deal? Danny. Whatever you need. Thank you, Danny. We're doing it. Opens the book, spins it back around to face you. And... Kaz will sign his name. There's a long page of script above the line that he taps on. It is in Latin. As you hold the, the quill, you sort of feel... It's a very strange sensation. It feels almost like being extremely dehydrated. But it comes over you all at once. And as you touch the quill tip to the page, blood spills out of it as you write. And you sign your name. Which name are you signing? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I was going to say he was going to sign Casimir Bright, as that is the name he has chosen. Crossroads watches you do it and doesn't comment on it. And when you're done, he snaps the book shut and he says, perfect. Excellent. No rush on that delivery, by the way. Wouldn't want you to go to any inconvenience. We've got plenty of time, but the sooner you get it to me, the sooner our relationship is at an end. Your magic is familiar to me. I recognized it because I stole it. I took it with me when I left good old hell behind all those years ago. I took quite a few things with me when I left. Now, new place, just starting out. It didn't take me long to rid myself of most of them. 
I didn't know who you were at first, but I remember selling that magic to your dad. Me and him, we go way back. How far is way back? Hmm. About... How old are you? Nineteen. About nineteen years, yeah, give or take. And what is my magic? Oh, I thought you'd figure that out by now. I mean... I know I can manipulate bones. I know most things can't kill me. Yeah, I'd imagine that's the easiest thing. That is different. I'll tell you that for free. You don't get that from me. Got that from your father's side. So what all did I get from you? Well, death. Death itself. Power over it. Which should mean I could do more than just manipulate buttons. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I mean, you could also be starting quarterback, but only if you work real hard. Bones are pretty easy, though. I imagine that's real comfortable. Sure, you're going to tell me that this one isn't free. Which one? Oh. The question I'm about to ask. Oh, yes. All right, let's talk. And I'm not saying I'm willing to trade anything for it, but... Why can I talk to Jonathan when I can't talk to any other spirits? I mean, it seems like talking to spirits should be a whole part of death. You're right. I'm not going to answer your question for free, but I'll ask you a question. See, instead of asking yourself why you can see poor little Jonathan, ask yourself why Jonathan can see anything at all. And Kaz takes all of that in, kind of takes a deep breath, and shifts his attention to Danny and says, you were a part of this deal too. Anything that wasn't asked that you think should be asked before we consider his part of the deal completed? Danny will make eye contact with Crossroad, think about it, and say, can you be killed? Wow. It'd be in my best interest to say no, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we can't trust you. No, I don't have any questions. Oh, oh, I have one. I changed my mind. I do have a question. Where are my legs? No, you know what? It's not worth it. Uh, The right way you left them. Danny will look around the room. (laughs) trying to see if he hasn't noticed them in the corner or something. (laughs) I think that is a very good segue to hop back to the Heraklion, where just a few very tense seconds ago, your teammate, Kaz, ran from Interspec agents pointing weapons at him, leapt through a magical door that appeared out of nowhere, was shortly followed by your other teammate, Danny, who didn't quite make it all the way through. And in the aftermath, whose headless body has flopped onto the ground. Salira's big mad. (laughs) (laughs) As previously established, there are about 20 agents pointing guns at you. They have turned to start pointing guns at us now? Actually, that's fair. They have turned to look at you. They are looking at each other with like clear questions on their faces of do we point them at them now? What do we do in this situation? And as you are standing there with all of them looking at you, two things happen at the same time. One, you look past the soldiers and you see Danny's headless body start patting itself down where it is lying on the ground. And <laughs> I, you, you know what that tracks. I'm not just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to touch that one. Okay. At the same moment, you hear a familiar voice bark out in a very commanding tone, stand down. The interspec agents take a couple steps back. Any hands that had drifted to their weapons drop them. They let go. They don't leave, but they do assume a more relaxed, less threatening body language. And a few of them step out of the way and out the front doors the double doors of the Heraklion, steps Micah Masterson. He is going to start walking up to the two of you and 
as he as he reaches you, he is gonna look around and he's gonna say, "All right, I'm gonna need you two to tell me what the fuck just happened here, real fast." Uh, I was literally about to ask you the same thing. Anyone care to explain why your boys here just tried to murk Spectral? I feel like crisis management was poorly handled in this situation. From your boot, you hear a voice say, Did you want me to run the crisis management protocol? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just don't. And then she like looks up from where she was pointing at her boot. <laughs> and she's like, I feel like some snap judgments were made. And Jim is going to say, And now, Danny doesn't have a fucking head. And I point at the body, which I imagine at this point is doing the unlocking locking motion, and I point at it. I like to think it is standing also. It has gotten to its Yeah, feet. yeah, I think, I think you've stood up by this point. Um, and I mean, Mike is going to look at it. One of the agents is going to lean in and, and say something to him very quietly. You're not able to make out what the agent says. And Micah nods once, says, well, first of all, he kind of holds a hand out to Danny's body and says, he seems to be doing all right. We'll see when he needs nutrients, won't we? I swear to God, the first person that points a gun at that headless body is going to watch me eat it. <laughs> Look, I don't know why, but your buddy set off one of the highest levels of alert we have. And that alert is based on what exactly? A variety of things. Well, we're walking through, you know, TSA here and, uh, Everything seems fine, and then Spectra walks through, a bunch of sirens start going off, and uh, then the immediate response is for one million goons to start waving guns around. I feel like you can see how this went badly. He uh, is going to take that opportunity to kind of walk away from you while you were still talking to him, and he is going to start directing the agents to go back to their posts, to go back to what they were doing. It's kind of like, nothing to see here. It's over. I'll take it from here, boys. Get back to work. Everybody, you got things to do. He starts like, it's like pointing his finger at a couple of them, and he's like, I know what you're supposed to be doing. I saw everybody's schedule this morning. <laughs> Get back to work. Jesus. And once the, once the crowd, the gathered crowd has dispersed a little bit more, he's going to say, can we do this inside maybe you know that was the plan we were moving inside that was the idea we were invited and everything yeah and then and, and then and then lyra's gonna go to danny's body and just go behind it put her hands on its shoulders and kind of like motor push it forward Unless Alex comes and picks him up. This is her only recourse. She can't carry him, so. You guide Danny's body over to to him, and Alex will just kind of, like, fireman's carry the body, as I assume it sort of just kind of confusedly kicks the air. This was at the point where Danny had silenced himself, so he had, of course, he had no re- He knew this was happening, but he had no reaction, because his mouth was locked. Um, however, while you're carrying him, eventually he realized something is up, and he pulls a phone out of his pocket and starts staring at it at where his head would be. And it's just nonchalantly like doom scrolling. Or something. <laughs> but you can't unlock it because it's facial recognition. <laughs> yeah, the phone ends up locked for 17 years because Danny keeps trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Micah is going to say, all right, look. I'll explain this to you out here, and then we really need to not be out in the open anymore. The alarm that your friend set off, let me put it in perspective for you. There is an alarm that would go off if somebody tried to bring a gun in here. There is an alarm that would go off worse if somebody tried to bring a magical artifact in here. There is an alarm that would go off if a supervillain tried to walk through here. And then there's an alarm that would go off if Apollo tried to walk through the gates. And that is the alarm that went off. That is not what Lyra was expecting to hear. (laughs) There are a variety of factors that contribute to that threat assessment. And I don't know which ones were triggered yet. That is why 20 armed men surrounded you. 
would have been nice if they'd attempted to explain the situation before, you know, doing a bunch of guns about it. But okay, you guys do you. Would have been nice to have a heads up before you tried to bring a world-ending threat to my place of business. If we're just naming things we would have liked to have happened. You met him. You met him yesterday. You watched him do your dumb obstacle course. Does Spectral look like a world-ending threat? No, and yet, he points to the gate. I, uh, hey. Get your gate fucking looked at. No shade on my boy, but like, when I do push-ups and he's on my back, he breaks a sweat. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I will say, you met him yesterday, and I at least indicated to Luminary that we were bringing the whole squad. I would expect that that means people would know that he was coming and whatever you evaluated us for yesterday would have been taken into consideration get your gate fucking checked first of all i'm an adult don't talk to me like that (laughs) great so we're all adults here just three adults all talking (laughs) and second of all i will have the gate checked but i was gonna do that anyway not because you told me to (laughs) wonderful that is fantastic to hear that there is some proactive activity going on. All right. Okay. Alex will start walking inside. <laughs> Lyra's so angry, she will just fight about anything right now. All right. You step into the Heraklion. You step through the front doors. And immediately inside, you are greeted with an impressive atrium. There is a large circular desk that occupies the middle of this floor. Branching off from the atrium, you can see a few different corridors. You can also see a bank of elevators near the back. You can also see the very, very high-tech security that is in place on said elevators. And you can sort of see people stepping up to them. You can see the lengths that they have to go to to get them to operate. Like, you see them put a hand on the keypad, and then a thing opens up, and they have to, like, put their eye up to it, and then a little slot opens up that they spit in and it's very it's a very involved process that you can see the floor of the atrium is decorated with the interspec logo which is sort of the vague approximation of a phantom form you would know that this emblem was adopted due to the colloquialism of referring to interspec agents as specters there are a handful of very customer service ready people behind that information desk in the middle big smiles plastered on their faces very pleasant expressions no matter what is going on currently one wall of the atrium is taken up by a long list of names and standing in front of that list in full costume you also see luminary before you walk over to luminary micah is going to stop walking and he's going to be like so we good Are you asking if I'm angry with you? What is the question? Are we good? Look, we're about to walk up to the most powerful person on the planet who has had a very bad, embarrassing week. I don't care if she's mad or whatever, personally, but, you know, I wouldn't want you to to get scared or whatever. So maybe just, like, don't piss her off. I will take that advice under the nature with which it's given you have a good rest of your day and i'm just gonna (laughs) he like calls after and is like i don't know where you think i'm going okay and he's walking up behind you like he's following you (laughs) (laughs) i am done with this (laughs) you walk up to luminary i'm assuming yep sure do what are you doing i mean is she reading the names it's hard to tell she is looking at the wall you would assume that she is reading the names. Quite the commotion outside. Yeah, it's a lot for a morning meeting, but what are you going to do? She kind of turns her head and looks at Alex. Then she says, I guess your your whole team is interesting. Alex just carrying Danny's headless body on his shoulder. I imagine you can't see that he's headless from the way he's holding him right now. It's, it's like a fun little surprise <laughs> when he turns around and the fireman's carrying. You know, I think there's some kind of a 
phrase for, you know, like to like all that jazz, but we're going to make it work. Hmm. I see. She is going to turn fully to face you and look down at you and say, I don't know what Leo thinks he's doing, but I want to be very clear that if this becomes a situation I should be involved in, I will be involved. To that, Lyra's response will just be, then we shall see. Once again, I don't want you to think that I am threatening you. I'll be candid. I like you. I like your attitude. I think you show some real potential. But teams are tricky things. If you are going to stand by your team come hell or high water, you'd better make sure you're on the right side of the river. And Lyra will nod at that, and then she will say again, we shall see. All right. Now, come look at this dumb statue. So Micah leads you and Luminary down the elevators. He does the full suite of clearance things that he has to do to get it to come up. He has to scan both of his thumbs at the same time while also like turning a key. And then the elevator, he has to use his mouth. It's very complicated. (laughs) The the mechanics of this sound very challenging. (laughs) So the elevator starts to descend and he will turn to face all of you and he'll say, all right, I don't know what you think you're going to be able to figure out from this thing. Interspect scientists have been over it top to bottom. Can't say anything's been turned up, anything of interest. About the best they've been able to do is that it's, turns out it's not actually glass. Near as I heard, some kind of crystal type thing, but it's not like anything on record. So everybody's pretty stumped. That's where you come in. Out of curiosity, did Alex bring the piece of crystal that Lyra had handed over? That's a good question. Uh, I would assume yes. If only because he forgot to take it out of his uniform pocket. Yeah, exactly. It was still in the pouch. It, she probably looks at Alex, mm-hmm. but I don't know if Alex can tell because of the mask. So. That is fair. I mean, I'll leave it up to Alex. If you think it would be more fun for Alex to be oblivious, we can go that direction. If you think Alex would notice, then we can do that as well. I think that Alex is kind of oblivious in part because. He is worried about Kaz, worried about Danny, and also he's like five feet from Luminary. <laughs> so, yeah, I think his his brain is in too many different places to pick up on anything that anyone is trying to communicate to him with subtlety. Okay, that's fair. That is very fair. The elevator dings as it comes to a stop, and it opens into what appears to be a huge hangar, if you had to guess. This hangar is largely empty, except for a large glass-like structure standing tall in the middle of it. There are still tables and equipment set up at the bottom, like a lot of tarps over everything. There are some geological tools, archaeological tools that are laid out. Still, clearly they've been used, but the hangar is empty, except for the four of you. Micah will gesture grandly to it, and I'll say, Behold, this fucking thing. And then he will drop his arms and look at you, Lyra, and he will say, All right, do your thing. Uh, she will approach it. Again, kind of reach out to see with her powers, like she kind of like holds a hand out towards it to see just how much she can influence of it. I guess to see how much glass is still left inside of it, to see just how different it is, which I'm not sure. I think that would be unleashing your powers. You're sort of reaching out with your senses. So I uh, roll with, uh, I believe that's freak. Freak is negative. Negative one. So that would have been a seven, but it's going to just be a six. That is a fail. Congratulations. You get a potential. 
How many does that bring you up to? Two. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. Wait, we're on. This is you. You've only failed twice. Yeah. To be fair, I don't roll a lot. I've so far. I know, only- but you definitely rolled. <laughs> like, Listen. Statistically, that still seems very low. That's fine. I have to change the dice because I'm using Piper dice. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't use Piper dice. Come on. She's my little murderer. You reach out with your super senses, and this is becoming a a clear pattern for Lyra, because I think almost every time you have done this, it has not gone well or you have not found anything. I feel like maybe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like maybe you're starting to realize this might be an area that your character is lacking in. You've been doing very practical applications of your powers pretty much this whole time. You've been learning like how to stop bad guys, how to take out tires, things like that. You've been sort of working on your fine control, but like you've never really asked the question of like, what is glass in terms of my powers and what, what does it feel like? All of this stuff. Yeah, I think that's definitely, that was probably what her research project was getting at but she never really got anywhere mostly again because it was like a high school project which is again why she's a little bit spooked that it had any kind of merit on her future but like that was her big kind of like research into that beyond the magic history of it so she really probably has not touched too deeply on this so you sort of reach out and you you get nothing from it you might as well be looking at a tank of water trying to See how much glass is in it. That's a bad comparison. Tanks have glass, by definition. <laughs> they, they sure do. <laughs> she doesn't get anything from it. And she kind of drops her hand back from it and just circles it a little bit to try to see the shape of it. And as she does, she's going to say, was it just the tower you found or did they use it to break into the building as well? Was it only this piece, basically? Michael will start sort of circling alongside you as he's answering your questions, and he'll say, no. As you can tell, this was purely to hold Haley. For a brief second, uh, that does make Lyra look uncomfortable, because like, as, as much as she's been like, a little bit snappy with these adults. That is a form of familiarity she is nowhere near comfortable with. So that does definitely bring her up short when he refers to Luminary as Haley. She's just like, oh. Micah shrugs when he sees like your your kind of discomfort. He notes it and he's like, listen, code names are stupid. Especially yours. Here I was, almost willing to call you by your rank and your place of work. Damn. Listen. Damn. You just opened your own mouth and said that. Damn. I'm being honest with you. You're being something. You're being something, bud. It's a bad name, and that's from somebody who used to call themselves Edgelord. So take that as you will. Just because you don't know what it means doesn't mean it's bad. Wow. It's terrible. No one's going to remember it. Nobody knows what it means. It's weird to say Bethel. (laughs) Bethel. 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 I just kind of pause and I'm just like, what? What are we doing right now? What's this? How do you feel? Uh, he he, like <laughs> stops for a second, and you don't know if he's being sincere or not. You don't know if he's like fucking with you or if he's being sincere when he says, "I'm mentoring you." <laughs> I suppose we did ask for this, didn't we? That is the realization dawning upon Lyra, and she's like, walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, all right, sure. And then she's going to point at the tower, and she's like, so this was a defensive maneuver, which means I'm assuming they got whatever they came to get. If they didn't use this. That is our assumption. Power Zinc has not told us what, if anything, was taken. Last I heard, they were still trying to run inventory. And see what was missing. We didn't find anything like this in the warehouse itself. So the assumption is that they got in the old-fashioned way, or at least a different way. And this was just used to, you know, stop Haley. Can I um, attempt to do something? Sure. 
while this conversation is going on, he is also, I think, sort of like walking around the tower sort of from the opposite side, just Danny slung over his shoulder. And he is going to be kind of just looking it up and down and is going to be trying to filter through the spectrum that he can perceive with his victory senses, trying to see if normal glass, you know, refracts light. It, it, you know, it can shape light. It can change the color of light. Does this structure do anything similar to, say, to like microwaves or, you know, something like that? Other forms of radiation. Roll with freak. Okay. Actually pretty good at that currently. And that is an 11. Very good. All right. With an 11, uh, I believe you just do it and there are no consequences. So you are sort of scanning through your various sites, the full spectrum of the victory senses. So you don't know if this is a result of your recent trip into the victory mindscape. You don't know if it is a one-off thing or an established Dr. Victory power. You've never heard of it. It wasn't in the comics as far as you're aware. But as you look at this thing, you see exactly what took place when Luminary was trapped inside it, almost superimposed over it as like a scientific diagram. In my head, I'm calling this physics vision. Yeah. I mean, frankly, that is kind of in keeping with the purposefully, stupidly broad Silver Age power set that I was going for with this this concept. So I was thinking of like Golden Age Superman of just being like, I used my physics vision. Exactly. <laughs> so what you see is this very like featureless, almost stick figure version of Luminary inside of this statue, blasting various types of energy that are represented differently. Like one is a dotted line. One is like a wave, uh, different things like that at the sides of this thing. And your suspicion is confirmed as you do see that it refracts the energy back in the same way that glass or regular crystal would refract light. Probably around this time that since Alex is walking in the opposite direction, that will probably cross paths with Bethel and Masterson. And yes, you guys come upon Alex. He's kind of like adjusting the lenses on his goggles as he is sort of like scanning it up and down. You see anything? Now see, victory. It's short. It gets the point across. People know what it means. Mm-hmm. And they know how to spell it. it. So are you, Edgelord, telling me to cave to peer pressure to change my name so that I'm more understandable and marketable. Is that what I'm to take from this? I did change my name. And also, I was a supervillain at the time. And from overhead, Haley calls down, that's being generous. Thank you for your honesty. Okay, sure. I'll consider changing my name if I decide to be a supervillain. Jesus Christ. No, that's the opposite. That's the opposite of what I said. Is it? (sighs) That's the opposite of what I did, yeah. You have a dumb name if you're a supervillain, and then you stop, you get a normal name or a good name. That's probably why Haley wanted to question you, honestly. Because of my name? Name's important. So I don't really know what I just walked into, (laughs) but it looks like, and I was wondering if this might be the case, and I just had to, you know, see it with my own eyes. This thing, this tower the structure it i guess you could say it bends energy bends radiation uh, you know most glass does this with you know light but this does it with all kinds of different forms of energy i'd hazard a guess that's why it was able to neutralize i'm so sorry i have to use that term i know that sounds so I can't. He looks around frantically to see if Luminary is anywhere nearby. Neutralize in the most sterile way that I can use that term, Luminary. Because I'm not saying I know Luminary or anything, you know, but like, hey, you know, I got the impression that uh, her powers were energy based. And this is something that is pretty much purpose built to nerf that right into the ground. 
luminary who was circling up in the air around the structure sort of (laughs) lands next to you as you say this and gives you like a little fist chuck in the arm, you know, like a friendly little fish chuck. And she says, hey, don't sell yourself short. Everybody knows Luminary. (laughs) (laughs) Alex is silent. So at this to victory, Lyra's going to say, she's like, so this is something that somebody with, say, almost two decades worth of practice would achieve as opposed to two and a half years, maybe. Luminary cocks her head at you and says, what a specific span of time. (laughs) Isn't it? I'm still looking at Alex waiting for an answer to that. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't rhetorical. Um, No. Yes. In my um, adjust his goggles. uh, Yes. In my considered scientific opinion, I guess. Yeah. If you were to extrapolate out, what you can do by a factor of yet yeah, like you know 10 sounds right that uh no yeah that seems like something that you, you could probably make something like this or someone like you with more experience like you were saying yes at that moment as you're having this conversation luminary is looking at you very intently lyra and micah puts a finger up to like his ear and says one sec and like takes a few steps away and says yeah go and listens to something on the other end before it. He says, what? Son of a bitch. All right. And Micah turns around to all of you and says, points moot, I guess. They just brought her in. We'll cut away from the hangar real quick. <laughs> and just back to Casimir's childhood home, where you have just engaged in this bargain with Crossroads. He uh, is going to, at that point, stand up from the desk, put his hands on the desk and sort of lift himself up onto his feet and kind of dust off the suit that he is wearing. Well, all right, if that concludes our business, he sort of points, he says, you sure you two don't want to ride? We don't need a ride, but I do have one last question. Why did my dad come to you for magic? Mm, Now see, that one. I can't answer. See, I can't discuss the terms of any deals. Think of it as a demon-client privilege. Sure, if that's what we're going to call it, that's fine. You thought about asking him? It's certainly an option. Well, you are already home, and I am running late, so I'll be on my way. I would say it was a pleasure doing business with you, but I think that we'll need to wait until we complete our end of the agreement. And he, like, shoots a little finger gun at you and is like, don't worry, it'll come with time. I have a feeling this is just the beginning of a very long professional relationship. I don't share that feeling, but sure. Well, you never want to make a deal. I'm just a phone call away. Literally, I mean, do you have a card or anything like that? He will vanish in a sudden burst of sulfurous flame that leaves behind a small black enameled business card. It doesn't even have a name on it. It just has engraved on it four roads meeting in the middle. Kaz is going to pick it up and then turn his attention back to Danny and say, all right, I'm, I'm thinking it would be good if you were quiet again. Is there anything we need to talk about before? Can you try and wipe this stamp off my head, please? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> As you wipe off the void stamp, you do feel your connection returned. Can Danny feel his body? Like, a connection to it? I will say that now you don't know what the uh, inciting incident for this was, but now you can feel a very strong connection to your body. Almost like a magnetic pull. Danny will look at Kaz and say, are you good? I mean, I, I don't think I'd go that far, but if you mean, am I in a relatively safe place right at this second, then yes. All right. We will find you if we need to find you. Hopefully it won't come to that, because hopefully we'll meet back at the dorm. 
in the foreseeable future. Before I go, I have one question. Do you want me to forget everything you talked about? No, but I don't want you to tell anyone else. Done. And then Danny's head will disappear. So just your head disappears. You're not taking Kaz with you. No, I was going to leave Kaz there because I assume my body is, if it's where I left it, would not necessarily be a safe spot for Kaz. That is a fair assumption. Okay. Your head disappears. And suddenly, Victory, I assume you set Danny's body down when you were doing your investigations? No, no. He was. He still had Danny's body to fireman's carry. All right. Well, then suddenly, suddenly there's a head on the body, which you might not notice at first, but, you know. Yep. No. Danny will say nothing. Danny assumes there is a reason that this is happening, so Danny will chill. <laughs> Micah and Luminary are talking together, mostly just like logistics and things like that. Luminary is asking him a lot of questions, and she's doing it in a very like condescending, slow voice, which you've noticed she tends to use when she's talking to Micah. And he says, look, they're doing intake right now if you want to question her yourself. Guy who brought her in is up there too, apparently. Lyra's going to step forward and say, if it is, and she describes Glenn, she's like, it is a trap. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Let me check. And Michael will pull his earpiece out and like, look really closely at it. Ask them. (laughs) You want to know, come upstairs. We're done here anyway. None of this matters. It's going to get carted off. It's going to be boxed up. I have a question. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Danny. Danny. Oh, man, I'm so glad you're okay. Okay, all right. And he will set you down. <laughs> you like, hold him under the armpits like this, like, cast. Just, like, like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're okay. Okay, what? 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 That's, that's what? I was going to ask if there was a reason you were carrying me. Oh, um, well, uh, it seemed better than letting your body wander around on its own without a head. Danny will hug Victory very quickly as a appreciation. Victory will return the hug. Micah like leans into Luminary and says quietly, but like loud enough for you all to hear. And he's like, Jesus Christ, kids. Am I right? And <laughs> Luminary says, Shut up, Edgelord, just because nobody's ever hugged you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she will start walking to the elevator. Micah will follow after her. I am so torn because I want to ask if Kaz is okay. And at the same time, I am about to flip out because, like, this could be a trap. There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. Okay, here's what Lyra's going to do. She's going to kind of, like, do a you good, like, that kind of hand gesture at the two of them. And she's, like, kind of starting to follow them. And then she will get Magil out of her boot to text Kaz, because she's like trying to multitask at this point. Danny will give a thumbs up at are we good, but not say anything. Okay. And as Lyra jogs into the elevator with the others, she will send a text to Kaz and say, are you okay? Do you need a pickup? You get into the elevator with Micah and Luminary. You ride it up to the lobby floor. There is a little bit of tension. Everybody is very on edge and there is like smooth jazz being piped in which you know everybody's kind of standing there with arms crossed over their chest glowering as this elevator music is playing and you get to the lobby you step out and there is a familiar sight as you see a group of interspec agents all clustered around one figure lyra you recognize nina Mm -hmm. danny you recognize nina and alex you recognize the man standing off to one side in a costume that looks very much like yours. He is still old, but now he looks more like marathon runner 50s old, not 70s arthritis old. His hair is mostly gray, but it is still slicked back, and the V is displayed proudly on his chest. And As Nina makes direct eye contact across the room with you, Lyra, her expression is furious as they approach and put cuffs on her. Dr. Victory crosses his arms over his chest and proclaims loudly, Yes, and 
let that be a lesson to you. Those who break the law will inevitably come to justice. And then his gaze shifts, a smile breaks out across his face, and he raises one arm in greeting and he says, Victory lad, there you are. And now, at long last, we have come to the end of yet another Academy Age arc. Thank you for joining us for all six parts of Lost and Found. We will be starting a new arc next week here on the podcast, and that arc will feature our first guest star. We will be joined by Amber, aka the Space Jamber, also known in many circles as the TTRPG Swiss Army Knife. If you know them, then you will know that this is not an arc you will want to miss. Once again, on behalf of everybody involved with Academy H and Live from the Apocalypse in the broader sense, we just want to thank you again for your continued support and for paying attention to any of the very silly game-based things that we do to raise money for progressive causes and good charitable organizations. All of that work would mean nothing without the willingness and the generosity to listen and give as much as you are able to. Speaking of which, we have created a Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash live from the apocalypse. It is a little stressful. I will be completely honest with you. We have always been very clear that we do not want to make a profit off of live from the apocalypse. And as a result of that, any of the money that is raised by supporters through Patreon will be going back into the channel to support the cost of paying artists, the cost of software subscriptions that we use to create our content, and potentially in the future to cover gear costs. We absolutely do not expect anyone to support us through Patreon. As with everything we do, if you have to choose one cause for your money to go to, please, please, please make sure it is the organization that we are fundraising for and not us. We will be fine. We will continue to do this regardless. If you'd like to keep up with us and know what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or feel free to join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to give us a good rating and a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so much. The donation link to our International Rescue Committee campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help out at this critical time. And please join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday or any of our five other ongoing live stream campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support. And we appreciate you so, so much. Until next time. That's fair. I mean, if you had a... No, don't, don't. No, I'm just going to say, like, if you were walking around with a talking head, you know, you'd, you'd really stopped making sense. It's true. To any talking heads fans out there? Yeah, I, I got it. I understood yep. it. I, I hate it. In you. Unfortunately. Good, good reference. I'm not going to give just, you the satisfaction. It's a good joke. We're just up to some skullduggery, you know? This is going to be the entire episode.